All right. So you want to hear a story about the Fateless, do you? Well, we'll go with Theo. Arguably the craziest of the three, though for different reasons than others. He's an outsider, kind of like me, in just about every sense of the word, except for not quite as far outside from Tillendorf. He was born in the faraway land that I am pretty certain the locals wouldn't even know where it is on a map. It's just so obscenely far away and out of their minds, they don't really get out much. But he was born in an uh, old settlement of Old Helm over in Kisira. was born over there, lived as an orphan. Don't know when that happened, but that's what I've heard and been told. And was eventually picked up by an airship crew who had him as a cabin boy and sort of raised him as a child of the ship. And they were out there hunting and after that he ends up once again orphan in a foreign place raised by the orcs of the stone teeth mountains so just of all things how do you go from being an orphan to being an orphan again and then you'd think possibly an orphan again but that's a different story he doesn't actually i don't think he's really an orphan at that stage it's kind of hard to be an orphan and an adult but, yeah, the orcs, very similar to ours here, except instead of warriors, they're artisans, and they still keep the semi-nomadic lifestyle. And then eventually their warriors go out to be mercenaries because it's good gold. And one of these tribes was out exploring, but first we need to get to how Theo made it to the, the continent itself. So as the story goes with Theo, he's on an airship chasing down an infamous pirate. The airship that he is on is known as the Crimson Talon for its crimson balloon and its bird of prey talon shape. The dwarves built it as one of their pride and joys. It is a fearsome ship. You look at it from a profile on the side, you have the engines at the back, and up at the tip of the claw is where all the weapons are loaded, located. Makes it an incredibly fast, incredibly agile hunter. The ship in question that they're chasing was the Runaway Queen, an orcish ship, which surprisingly looked like a nice sailing ship with a balloon strapped to it. Now, the orcs are innovative in Kaysira to say the least and as they are hunting they're shipped down they have uh, been coasting out into the deep deep oceans for near on a month maybe two crews getting restless and then about two days ago they lost sight of their prey the whole crew knew that this ship, this single ship, was worth so much in bounty that the Talon could fly for another two years. 
maybe even more if they stretch out their funds. So being this far away, yes, it was hard, and yes, it was dangerous, but the payoff would be so much, so worth it. And as they were flowing out there, a part of the concern and worry for the crew was being close to the dangerous skies of Tilindor, which even airship crews from Kisira know how dangerous Tilindor is. Having strapped down all of their magical devices and stowed them away where they can't, they can't harm the ship. Having to rely on manually firing the engines and fueling fuel into the, uh, into the furnaces. We have the captain studying a map on his desk and little Theo going about his duties cleaning and caring for the ship. Captain is muttering to himself as he looks over the map, Theo being the only person within earshot of the captain's muttering. Theo, Theo would look up and the one thing no matter what is going on it's always going to be a constant with Theo is this this solid black almost silk like scarf that he always wears he's always had it he'll never let go of it his ratty clothes he kind of turns towards the captain uh, you, you say something captain? Well, I'm wondering where these rascals would have hidden out here I mean, we see what? Nothing but blue and then a small island? Where are the, where could they be hiding? And he's furiously flipping through maps and different charts of the area, which, because of the nature of Tillendor, are heavily obscured. So, you know, there's only partial outlines of some islands and partial features of towns that were seen from a distance. And there's one massive tower that actually, depending on how clear of a day it is, where the ship is currently located in the skies, the crew and the ship has seen this massive tower every so often. Uh, from this distance, you can't really tell any features of it, but it is a very large and very gray obelisk that just juts up from the island to your eastern direction of the ship. Well, they are orcs. They do tend to be smarter than the average uh, bandit. Uh, that is definitely true. They do have a good, good game of hiding. Very skillful in that. Also, far more clever than I think most people give them credit for. I had a friend who was an orc once. I say once, he kind of made the local wizard mad. I don't know what happened to him after that. Yeah, Billy would kind of snort at that a little bit. Well, I don't know about any orcs that would have come a follow of wizards, though. Wizards are ones you don't want to be a follow of. I will definitely say that. Uh, well, my... My tasks in the captain's cabin are completed. Is there anything else you may do today? Well, before you go, since we haven't been able to locate him, maybe some fresh mind and eyes might be able to find what's going on 
when where they could possibly be hiding if you want to take a look at these maps. And he's going to step away from the table and head to a uh, cabinet in the back of his quarters where he keeps his uh, private stash and he's going to pour himself a drink. And he kind of like does that, that really um, um, sus uh, kid walk that, okay, and he goes <laughs> over and checks it out. So yeah, you, flipping through the maps. So the maps that he has here are of... It's kind of shaped almost like... I mean, the best way you could probably think of it would be like a turkey leg of this island. And there's a rough map that shows there's a... There's some kind of settlement on the southern end of the island. And there's some sort of tower that has been spotted. And there's a couple bays. Mm. Maybe the tower, or uh, maybe they're in the water. That would be a sneaky place to hide a ship if you just dropped into the water and stowed the balloon. I don't know if their vessels can sail. I don't know if they're watertight. Uh, there's only one way to find out. Well, we want to be careful how close we get. We don't want to end up stranded out here. One wrong move and everything could go up in flames, as it were. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. Strokes his scarf a couple times. I don't like flames. Yeah, I'm not a particular fan of them myself. But if they're hiding in the water, he's going to step over and start looking over the map. If they're hiding in the water, then maybe... Maybe that bay would be a spot to hide a ship. So he'll, uh, he'll pull out the... It's a really old, for anybody who's familiar with airships, incredibly old antiquated technology that nobody ever uses anymore. Essentially, it's a microphone on a cable that goes up to the helm. <laughs> he pulls this off and he ready he calls up to the helm and you hear a very tinny voice come back through the line uh, asking uh, where are the captain's orders? The captain says let's head up north and kind of hug around the island a little bit. I want to check out the bay. And then you hear back, aye, aye, captain. And the ship will kind of turn and twist. And you kind of feel that shifting equilibrium as the whole vessel kind of tilts to the side to start moving around the island. It's nothing that Theo is unaccustomed to. Been on the ship for two years. I don't think it bothers him anymore. And the captain will be like, all right. Well, I figure you have some other duties, or go get some food. Ah, uh, ooh, Proxen said he was making stew. Captain just kind of groans a little bit. <laughs> I think that's a message saying that uh, we're almost out of rations. But if you put enough orange juice and salt in it, it's fine. Well, if we all did that, we'd run out of salt too. Run along. Does a little kid run, takes off for food. 
So the, the Talon has... The hallways are a little bit stout for those who are not of a uh, dwarven sort of uh, build and descent. Uh, a little bit short in the passageways. A lot of the doorways are a little short. I think even Theo, with how much he's grown, is probably a little bit too tall for some of the doorways. It's, that is a fact. He probably <laughs> ducks down a couple under. Oh, man. Broxen's a half-orc. Oh, God. <laughs> Poor guy. Broxon gets to his... Uh, he gets to his kitchen. That's where he stays. <laughs> uh, but while you're on your way down to the... To the... Kitchens there and to the mess hall, you hear the bells ringing up on deck, meaning the uh, prey has been spotted. The first bell is saying that something is spotted, and then the second set of bells means that it is the target you're hunting. And people start rushing past to head up onto the deck. Oh, oh, okay. Kind of just dodges, gets pushed a couple times. Bunch of orcs, a little bit, a couple gnomes here and there. All heading up to their, uh, not orcs, sorry, dwarves and uh, gnomes heading here and there, heading up to their stations. Even a couple intrepid little halflings. Most of the crew are sh the shorter folk, but there are a couple that are, you know, human and a couple others. And they make their way up and then somebody, somebody sees uh, Theo there and he says, Theo, you gonna head up to watch? Uh, looks towards the kitchen and then back towards the other door. Yeah. Why not? Help some random gnome that fell over up. <laughs> Follows him up. So yeah, as you head up onto the deck, uh, all the engines are up. They're all getting kicked up to full speed. The engineers are heading to their stations. You start hearing all the propellers start kicking on, all the motors kicking on. The... The, the rangers are getting their uh, their weapons ready, the ballast is honed, loading, getting all their weapons tuned up, making sure everything's going to operate effectively. And you can see up ahead of you, probably a good 200 feet straight ahead, is the, run, is the Runaway Queen. It was, at one time, a really nice vessel, had all the accoutrements and features of its name being, you know, called the Queen. It has big, beautiful windows in it and this beautiful dark wood and this immaculate design on the balloon that at one time was rumored to be an art piece in and of itself. But today, if you were to look at it, it's full of patches, it's full of Mars, a bunch of the windows have been either taken out, filled in, or put or filled up with weapons. Uh, the vessel looks now more like a ragtag vessel rather than an exquisite vessel worthy of its name. You know, at least it flies. <laughs> and as the vessel start to, as the Talon starts to accelerate to chase, the Queen also accelerates to run. And the chase is on. These vessels... The queen makes a... The, the Talon is faster than the queen. 
It's made for speed. But the queen is much more agile in its turns and is able to, whenever the town gets close and starts taking shots, the queen is able to get out of the way and dodge. So the affair takes off. You have a couple minstrels on the deck that start playing music to get everybody up and ready. Hoops and hollers, the different gunners start you know, razzing each other when one fires and misses, another gunner will laugh at them and praise their great shot and a little bit of camaraderie as they're chasing down this pirate. So what does Theo do as this fight is taking place? Where does he go to watch? So I think back where, um, back near the helm, There'd be like a little bench thing where the captain would typically sit to go over the the um, maps up on deck when it's nice outside. He's going to sit over there and look over the back edge of the of the ship because he likes watching the uh, watching the water move past underneath. So yeah, the water is moving past at a breakneck pace. Um, you actually see a couple little bits of different aquatic creatures uh, kind of surfacing and doing their usual stuff at the water. A couple that you've never seen before, a few that have almost like a glow to them. And you start noticing up in the distance that the vessel you're chasing is heading towards, it's heading directly in towards Tilandor, almost daring the Talon to follow as they make a pursuit in. So you're able to watch the land getting closer and getting larger, able to see towers and features of towns after a while into the chase. Has the captain showed up on deck yet? Uh, the captain has come up on deck. Um, he is actually up towards the front, watching where the vessel goes to call back for the helm. I got a bad feeling about this. We shouldn't be this close to, to this place. I feel the bad juju. The helmsman, hearing some of your complaints there, will will laugh. They'll turn to you, uh, gruff. A gruff little gnome. Some may even say he looks almost like a dwarf without a beard. And he just laughs and says, Ha ha! You know, you say that, but all of our maps say that we're still within plenty of margin for safety. Yeah, well, I got a question. Where was the ship at? Was it in the water? It had... It was low in the... It was low just above the water as we saw it. Yeah, that, that's number three. That's the third time I've been right this week. That's bad, that's bad luck. Every time I'm right, bad shit happens. Ah, it's just poppycock. You'll have to turn to spin, to turn the wheel as the as the queen dives to the to the west and they have to make a quick turn to keep up he slides across the bench <laughs> <laughs> and one of the one of the gunners gets a good shot with the ballista as they do the dive and they manage to strike uh, strike one of the engines on the queen there's a nice spark as the uh, engine smokes a little bit everybody cheers it's like, aye, that's how you start disabling her. 
Keep an eye out, Theo. You might one day have to participate in all this. It's a good lesson. After I almost burnt down the kitchen, I don't think Broxton wants to be cooking anymore, so I guess I'll learn how to shoot stuff. The gnome just laughs at that statement. And as they go, you do keep seeing the the coastline is just is just out at the edge of kind of the sight range. It starts getting a little bit closer. You actually do see forest now instead of just the green blur uh, up ahead. We're getting, we're getting kind of close there. Well, they're still going, so we're still chasing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go stand over here. He gets down off of the, the helm platform. <laughs> so I'm not getting thrown from this ship. <laughs> I'm going down here. <laughs> <laughs> and you see the the queen goes to uh, keeps it keeps running. Uh, you start actually now. You leave where you see the land, and it turns into a very large bay. Uh, you can see the other landmass on the far side of the bay, and the landmass that you're passing. And as the queen makes a dive, one of the gunners takes a shot, catches another actually catches another one of the engines. And you see the engine completely cut out on the on the queen. So now the Talon is gaining. And as it gains, and you saw the land masses grow, and you saw the opening to the bay. Very suddenly, the queen explodes in a rain of sparks and showers of splinters and metal back at the Talon. Without even, without even thinking about it, ha! I told you. And you notice the helmsman is no longer among the living. Uh, As a large chunk of metal came off the ship, pinning the wheel and the helmsman together, so the ship can no longer steer. And it's heading directly to the landmass. Uh, I think uh, Theo's going to yell towards the captain. Captain! The helmsman's down! So he's going to turn and see, and then they're going to start moving towards the the helm to try to get this situation fixed. And as they pull up, they start getting him off of there, they start getting the helm back under control. Give me a perception check. Perception. Oh man, little Theo gets to roll a dice. Little Theo gets to roll a dice. Uh, All the dice. My perception modifier. That'll be a dirty 20. Dirty 20. So you spot, as they're trying to get this taken care of, and a couple others are trying to... uh, some of the engineers are trying to fix some of the engines and the, the, the rudders and everything. You notice that there is some sparkling lights down in the hold. Oh, that's not good. Uh, they are the color of the magical lighting that is used back when you're closer to Kasira. And then you start to see smoke coming from the hold. 
Everyone, the hold is compromised. So now the crew starts to scramble, trying to get that taken care of. And as they turn to start using the fire suppression devices, the hold explodes as one of those magical lights must have uh, hit the flux area for the the magical chaos and exploded. And there is just a plume of this white, whitish blue light that comes up out of the hatch doorway in the middle of the vessel and flame spreads around and it starts burning some of the some of the ropes that are attached to the balloon uh shit 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 he's gonna start getting those water buckets and splashing water on that shit (laughs) okay so we'll go with that'd be a what Yes, in athletics to see uh, how well you can keep up having to throw water and move that stuff. Try to right. run around on the ship. Let's see, I think I'm good at athletics if I can find that page here. Oh, wow. 26. So you are doing really good keeping that fire under control, helping everybody out on the efforts. They're able to finally get the helm back under control and they start to turn the airship. And one of the engineers would come up on deck uh, and start, he'd go right for the um, abandoned ship bells and start ringing them. And he's, he's yelling over the din of all the chaos you just barely hear this voice yelling that the fuel lines the fuel lines are close to the flames so different sailors are starting to grab the the fall devices and they start strapping them on the captain will grab Theo in the middle of his fire suppression efforts and hand him one of the harnesses and say put this on you don't want to be on here when this goes up. But this one's yours. Put it on. Then he turns you around and starts putting it on your back to strap you in. Ah. Uh. And he's going to tell you once you're strapped in. Wait until you see the tops of the trees and then pull the cord. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. We don't know what's going to happen. They're a magical crystal that fires the reaction. Why does everything have to be magic? <laughs> well, the backup will fire if that's if if the magic doesn't work. But the magic's the primary. If you have to rely on the backup, it's going to give you one heck of a jolt when that one goes off. And he's going to take you to the side of the ship and say don't worry about me you get to safety I feel as if uh, he's going to fight everything he can to stay on that ship because that is his found family he wants to stay there with them a couple others are jumping are, are, are jumping the ship 
um, and the captain seeing you fight, he is going to uh, give you a shove. And Theo falls. The wind whipping. Uh, you see a couple other the shoots fire uh, open up, and a couple of them actually light into light on fire when they open. Whether that's the magic effects or it's some of the debris from the exploding ship in front of you that blew up in front of your ship. Yeah, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> Uh, you notice that you are heading towards a group of trees that are at the west side of that bay that you started to fly over sooner. You know, just from up here, like he's thinking to himself, because there's no way he can talk. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been skydiving. There's no way you can talk during this thing. It's not happening. <laughs> it's quite loud. Yes, in, in his brain, he's like, they look soft from up here. <laughs> this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> they look soft from up here. I like that. Yeah, he pulls the cord when he was told to pull the cord. All right, so you pull the cord, and the first part, the first action of these packs is it lights a magical reaction, which is essentially a, um, a thruster that slows your momentum. And then the shoot fires mechanically. So if you don't have that thrust, that shoot firing gives you a jolt from that shoot suddenly getting air into the pressure, air into the shoot. So it slows you down and then basically pops up, and yours goes off without a hitch. <laughs> into the trees. Yes. Uh, you end up crashing into some trees and you're probably a good 10 feet off the ground when you finally stop moving. And the impact and everything else, give me, I think we'll do and we'll think we'll do an athletics again. How well does he take these impacts? 14 plus seven, so 21 pretty good he's a very athletic boy <laughs> so you'll be kind of stuck up in the tree um, you're hanging you're just free hanging at this stage there's nowhere for you to get to any trees or anything while you're up here you would hear you you hear uh, like footsteps approaching he's gonna say help I have fallen and I can't get up <laughs> And coming into the entrance of the little area you're at, you would see three orcs that are worried that are wear worrying that are wearing a collection of furs and leathers. It looks like from freshly, uh, like definitely they're they're made, they're custom made for each, for themselves, um, and they are carrying uh, mostly spears. A couple, uh, one does have a bow with them. And the one with the bow looks like they're much older. And he is going to uh, say in, um, I would say at this stage, you wouldn't know their language. So he would say in his, in his language, uh, call out to the two that are with him. And they will both drop their spears and start taking off some of their gear. 
as they go to climb the tree to help you. He's kind of doing his best to, like, you know, put his hands out, like, you know, that sort of non-threatening, we're not here to harm you, we're going to help you. But because you guys can't communicate directly. Well, I'm assuming they're speaking Orcish, because he hasn't learned that one yet. Yep, they're speaking Orcish. He says in uh, common, dwarven, and gnomish. He doesn't know if they're going to understand any of it because he doesn't know what they speak. Uh, like, yeah, I, I understand. And he starts trying to swing closer to where they're at because he's hanging from this parachute. Uh, yeah, the, the old orc will, uh, as you start swinging, he's going to just push, uh, sweep his hands back and forth in a no gesture. He stops. Just comes to a stop. And these younger orcs are going to get up on the tree and then they actually will... They'll start folding the branches towards the tree as they watch to make sure you don't you don't start slipping. Uh-huh. And one is going to, as they start folding that branch, they're going to pull out uh, a small grappling hook and they're going to kind of throw it and wrap it around the cord so in case you fall, they have you. And they'll fold the tree in so you can get to the tree. And then, oh, that's a nice way to do that. Innovative. <laughs> he's, he's talking. He's talking to him. You <laughs> don't understand a word he says, but he's talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they'll uh, they'll bring you to the tree, and then they'll set you down. You'll be able to climb down from the tree after they cut you free of your pack. And one of the younger orcs, when you get down to the ground, he will say, "In it's very broken common." You come with us. We have food. Oh, food. Okay. Uh, um, did did any? He's like he says it a little bit slower since they're speaking broken common. Did any ship fall from sky? Not that we saw. Look like others fell in water. Not good. I would assume. And it's not really that they are speaking like a common that's very, that's just not this. It's almost as if you're speaking, you know, for our world sense. If, you know, an American is speaking to like a British person, we have relatively the same same language. language, Same language, different dialects. Yes. So some words don't quite match up properly and others are a little bit like others are close, but kind of like that sort of thing. You know, they say, come here, we have food, and you hear, we eat, and stuff like that. In the two years he was on the Talon, uh, Theo read every single book the captain had. (laughs) (laughs) He knows a lot of big words and can quickly understand stuff. So if you have that, since you just brought that up, we're going to have you roll is a society check to see... To see if you can pick up on the uh, dialect that they are using. Uh, flat 15. Okay. So I'll say that, you know, after a little bit of talking back and forth, you're able to pick up the kind of dialect they're using so you can sort of switch your speech over or you can understand what they're saying if you don't really you know, say the same word. You can get a much better understanding of each other so you're not talking... You're not talking in like half word, half words and stuff. For sure, for sure. 
and they'll uh so they'll kind of talk to you at the camp and they'll say you know a few did a few did manage to fall into the water don't think behemoth bay not a good place to swim uh well i'm not so worried about mr broxon as i don't think even a dragon could kill him that man's violent uh what race did you end up making captain billy dwarf. i actually yeah i'm, I'm in a dwarf. dwarf uh However, Captain Billy, uh, I don't think he can actually swim. Uh, man in a, um, a dwarven man. <laughs> That's the short thing. <laughs> in a black sailor's outfit with a big black hat. So the the, the orcs will kind of they'll talk to each other in their in their language, and you'll notice as you're sitting here in there, eventually get back to their camp. A few more of their uh, their people kind of make their way to the camp. And they start kind of asking each other, you know, who saw what and who was near the bay. And they'll come up with, uh, the one will come back up and say, uh, we saw a couple dwarves in bay. Not, not one that you describe. Well, maybe I'll see him again one day. It is life. Mama said, "Shit happens." We, we will take you to our camp, our actual main camp, if you want to, or we can take you to a city if you would rather. I'll follow you guys. You seem friendly enough. He'll just kind of grin a little bit. He's he'll look at the uh, the old orc that's with him, and he'll. Uh, He'll point to the old orc and he'll tell you, he'll basically point to the old orc and say, Ovak Dahl, he will be your mentor. Name's Theodore. And the orc will, he'll grin and say, well, welcome Theodore. My name, my name is, you would probably refer to me as Grok in your language. Pleasure to meet you, Croc. And he'll introduce the other door. He'll introduce the other orcs at the camp, kind of you know each who each one is and sort of what they do. And you're going to kind of hear that um, all these different people here. A uh, few of them are just hunters and warriors. Uh, Ovak is a stonecutter, and then another one of the older orcs here is a he's a, a he's a metalsmith. So. Ovak and the older I keep saying dwarf the older orc is they work together to make jewelry to sell to the local towns and they're down here hunting as um, the village needed some extra food and this is the best forest to hunt in and they're they say you're lucky we were here because otherwise it's a long walk to civilization. That's that's good to know. Um, I don't I don't particularly like walking all that much, but as my ship is probably gone, I have to do it a lot. The, he'll laugh and well, 
You'll definitely learn to walk a lot if, when you live with us. Kind of slap you on the back as they eat and carry on. Um, they'll kind of teach you a couple orcish words as they're sitting there. And then we'll end up so as you kind of learn a couple orcish words, you have a good, you have a good meal, you know, think about your crew, your found family that, you know, you now don't know where they are. You don't know how many made it out as you sit with this new group eating their, eating the meats from their hunt. Every now and then he'll, he'll ask what each different thing is. And then regret asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's most it's mostly it's mostly uh, mostly uh, venison meat and a couple little bits of it are uh, boar meat. Amongst some of the other stuff, they have a couple berries and stuff they found around that sort of fair as you're just doing a big hunting and gathering trip. Man, this is much better than Broxton's stew. Uh, Broxton, if he still is alive, suddenly his ears are ringing. He doesn't know why. <laughs> That's going to be funny one day. It's what wonder in a town in a tavern order the stew. And it, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we will cut to... I believe I have in my notes uh, four years, or was it five years? I remember how old Thea was when he was on the airship. Uh, when the airship went down, he is ten years old. Okay, so it, it would be, it'd probably be about six, five to six years. Um, so at this point, Theo has learned the Orcish language. He's learned um, how they speak, their words. Um, he's earned himself a new name as the orcs. Uh, they do not call him Theo. They primarily call him, uh, the, the Skyfallen, which in the orcish tongue is just, when it translates to the orcish tongue, it's that he fell from the sky. (laughs) Which probably frustrates him a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I know. I fell from the sky. It's okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you also notice too that all the different orcs, they, all of their names, like all of their, what would be their last name, quote unquote, for your, not like the way you would look at names. All of their names seem to be some sort of action. That is fair. Like your, your, uh, your trainer, your mentor is, uh, he's doll, which is, um, Basically, doll as in the sound of stones rolling. And then, Ovak the Rolling Stone. Yep. Because <laughs> he, he is the best stonesmith in the, entire, in the entire clan. So he has earned that title as he's earned that title. Um, and then Grok, that original orc you met, his, uh, his actually is... Um, the orcish tongue is uh, rides... Rides deer, and the story behind that is: on his very first hunt, he ended up startling the deer. It charged him, and as he reacted, he ended up on the deer's back as it charged into the woods. 
So his his first hunt is forever, you know, immortalized as when he rode <laughs> the deer through the woods. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. So that that's the naming convention of the uh, the orcs. They all have action names in their tongue, but in the common tongue, it's just it's much more simplistic. So we've skipped what six years? You said about six years. So you know, actively has learned the language, is an active part of the culture. Is has been uh, working on stone cutting with Ovak, and he's this. So he's got he's got he's probably went on a few hunts. He's got his his um, tailor made um, outfit, which he has painted black to match the um, the ship that he lost because he is a semi edge lord. And <laughs> he has a tragic past, guys. I swear. <laughs> It's mainly like oils and tar and stuff that causes it to turn black. Yeah, it's dyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, you're over, uh, he's, you're over here trying to get the uh, I can fix him vibes. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and well, it's 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 accented with this this bright blue and white fur. So it when he, when they're out in the mountains or out in the uh, the woods. He does not blend in at all. Because <laughs> he does not like to hide. The self score makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> so part of what Ovak has been doing as he teaches you the stone crafting, he's been teaching you about the local uh, societies outside of the mountain. Teaching you about the different tribes, you know, the way they the, the way each tribe is. They all seem to be pretty similar into the way that uh, their tribe their tribe works and runs. Um, and then the part of teaching teaching them about the different uh, nations around them is he talks about the uh, the O'Brien's, which is um, you've kind of learned they are the they're the ones that most of the orcs go to when they want to uh, be mercenaries. Because the O'Brien's pay them well, and it's it's good fights. Because the O'Brien's, uh, they are the gatekeepers of uh, South Tillandor. Yeah. So they have fortresses that keep the creatures of the rainforest at bay. Uh, they have. their closest neighbor and the orcs don't really know where their main settlement is would be the the elves of the swallows which is the lake over nearby the O'Brien's. and the orcs or sorry the orcs talk about the elves of the swallow as another group that are you know good to work with um the O'Brien's and the elves they despise each other that sounds about right. The O'Brien's blame the elves for murdering their late queen. Let's let's be honest. In most lore, the elves hate somebody. <laughs> They're just like an honorary peoples. That's how it is. <laughs> well, and then he says the elves' reason for not liking the O'Brien's is the O'Brien's showed up and just started to build cities in elvish lands. So they view the O'Brien's as invaders. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Neither group bothers the uh, the tribes and the Stone Teeth uh, because the warriors of the Stone Teeth make excellent mercenaries for both groups. So the various fighting and blood feuds of the Elves and the O'Brien's are very lucrative for the Stone Teeth Mountains. The other neighbor is to the east in the deserts. They actually are the ones that are north of the bay where you crashed. The Larosi. The Larosi are led by uh, desert elves. And the O'Brien's, after not being able to find the Swallows elves, have since started to point their aggression toward the, to the Larosi because they are elves. So by extension, they are blamed for the death of the queen. The brands are starting to sound more and more racist as we are learning about them. <laughs> it's like, you guys are like stereotypical humans. Dicks. Well, I mean, they they set up in a land. They were attacked. They just It's a long history of... It's a long history of bad blood on both sides. But the O'Brien's, because they are very organized, very developed, very uh, strong militarily, they kind of keep a lot of the elven raids at bay. And the elves, because of their nature of being more or less nomadic, the O'Brien's large military can't do much to the elves. Because <laughs> the elves can just, you know, disappear. Uh, the true edge lords. <laughs> uh, he says the only problem with the Larosi is it, to deal with the Larosi, you end up in the deserts, and the Larosi don't pay enough to deal with sand and grit getting in everything. Plus, it's hot, so there's like the Larosi just don't pay enough, so people don't usually work with the Larosi. So that's just one of those history lessons as. He's working on stones and learning how to cut them and cut gemstones and just uh, Ovak has been teaching him how to do his trade. Oh man, you know, <clears throat> you know, this is a. Uh, never would have thought it takes this much delicacy to cut a stone that can't be crushed. Those were my original thoughts when I started my trade you look at these and the refined ones are sharp enough to cut through armor but you have to use these and he holds up a bunch of the little tools you have to use these tiny little tools and a very delicate touch to get them to that point you do very good at the stonework you learn very quickly yeah, that's what I've always been told. I learn everything very quickly. I adapt very quickly. I like the... He's like looking at the different stones in front of him that he's been working on. I think of these ones here, I like Orichalcum the most. You would pick the nice edge. and strong. You would pick the edgiest of gems. <laughs> I almost said obsidian, first of all. 
I was like, no, obsidian's more like glass than stone. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more. It has to be more like glass. <laughs> Plus, obsidian is volcanic, and there's no volcanoes in uh, stone teeth. Also, orichalcum is very much tied in with orcs. So. Yes. Yeah, he, However, I really like marble. Marble is a good stone. The orichalcum is definitely much more... Uh, much more unique to our crafting methods. I wonder if I can make a shield out of Orichal. It'd probably be too heavy to be useful. <laughs> that is very fair. To be that size? What if it was just inlaid with Orichalcum? Almost like a setting on a ring or that, a necklace. That could work. You'd probably want to do it... Uh, He's gonna think about it. You probably want to do it more towards the uh, the center of the shield to give it more of a a tougher core. Yeah. Maybe one of those kite shields that. And he goes off to spout off the name of the the iron worker that he was never that I was never given. So he does. So I don't know. He would know. Maybe he could make a kite shielder. A tortoise shell shield. Those would be really good. We could definitely see if we could get one of those together to see how well it works and maybe maybe see how well it would sell. That'd be a tough shield. His voice cracks every now and then. He's like 16. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little spindly kid. He still hasn't grown into his armor yet. He's all spindly and... Hair's all shaggy and unkempt. Pulls it yeah. back into a ponytail. That'd probably be smart when you're cutting stone. Uh, settings are cut for today. I got all four of them done. Well, that's good. That's good. We're running low on sapphires. The sapphires. Yeah, I need to get some of those when we go into the town. Hopefully we can get some raw sapphires from the mines on the way, either there or on the way back. And while you guys are having the conversation and talking about the benefits of a stone shield, this person shows up uh, roughly every month, um, sometimes every other month. It just depends on the situation. It is a... Um, a female winged elf will land at the camp center and she's going to actually approach where Theo is at. Um, she keeps her she keeps her wings. Uh, they are dyed uh, different colors. They are mostly uh, the bluish color at the tips. Her outfit is one that gives a full range of motion. You can definitely tell by the way she moves and stands that she is a fighter. And she frequently shows up to speak to the elders and then leave very suddenly. Uh, the elders whisper and say that uh, she is one of the agents of fate. Because they are known to just suddenly appear, complete a task, and leave. Just as suddenly. I think if she approaches... Theo, 
he since he's in in the in the uh, the stone the where the, where they're cutting stones, he'd like turn around at the at the counter. I was like, are we gonna sell something today? <laughs> uh, oh, that, yes, young miss. How can I help you? <laughs> I was I'm expecting the other sixteen year old boy's reaction to that. <laughs> <laughs> she would just walk up and she says, "No, I am not here to." partake in commerce. I do, however, have something that you need to commit to memory. Young Theo. Uh, okay. <laughs> he looks confused. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. If you if you do not remember this correctly, it may one day be the cost of your life. Oh. You get the pen and paper out. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> When you meet the short bolt of lightning and the one who speaks to themselves, you will know it is time to approach the mural of the stormy night. Approach mural of stormy night. Mural. So I'll repeat it for you again. When oh, you... I, I got it. I was, it was, he was saying it in character. Mural so, of so, stormy night. So repeat it one more time. <laughs> Uh, when you meet the short bolt of lightning and the one who speaks to themselves, know that it is time to approach the mural of the stormy night. Now remember, this could very well mean life or death in your future. Okay, I've got that note written down. He puts the notebook in his back pocket. I am never losing that. I would definitely keep it to memory, so you don't have to always look at a note, but I suppose you have to do it in your own method. Uh, I'll, I'll memorize it later, it's fine. She'll kind of give, she'll give you a bow, and then she'll turn to Ovak, and I wish you good fortune on your journey to uh, sell your wares and hopefully increase a lot of the beautiful gems and stones that you have to uh, sell and to keep in your own collection. And he'll, he'll kind of bow back and uh, I definitely thank you for that. Uh, hopefully it'll be a good haul. And just as suddenly as she entered the camp she will walk back out to the center and then fly away. <laughs> look, at, look at that Ovak. That was weird. <laughs> what, what just happened? <laughs> well... One of the agents of fate had a message for you, and I strongly suggest you take it to heart. I'm 100% going to memorize it tonight. He's still going to keep the paper on. It's like folded up and put <laughs> it inside his armor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's always weird meeting one of the agents, but at least this one isn't as bad as others. Well, I know one of the I know the clan of the the clan of the lizard they talked about the one that came and beat their chieftain. You know that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. They're kind of um, they've gotten kind of soft from the stories you've told me. I believe that's just 
a young man's body wishing what it wants. He'd say it with a grin, teasing you. <laughs> Alright, we, we gotta go to market, right? Let's do that. Alright, pack it up. Gathers up all the stuff. <laughs> so you guys will pack everything up, and then we will skip again. This would be about two years later. Uh, Theo has gotten to the point where he is no longer... He is no longer with a mentor parent. He is now a full tradesman and a full artisan of the clan. You're still, a, you know, they still a valued part of the clan, but they no longer have to report to a mentor. They're able to do their own, make, make their own wares, sell their own wares, and they carry the, uh, the seal of the clan. Uh, your clan is the clan of the goat. <laughs> Orcs that worship goats. They don't worship goats. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they just use different animals to signify their different clans. He's in the process of hanging a an old shield that he just cleaned on on a wall. It's the prototype for that stone shield. It didn't work out for shit, but he <laughs> likes the way it looks. It looks nice and pretty. It's a good centerpiece from a shop. <laughs> It's a decorative piece to show off what I could do. <laughs> it's a good plan, I mean. He wasn't, they weren't able to figure out how, how to make it lighter with the techniques they know. Because it's still too heavy with the stone piece in the middle. That's, that's what he's going with. Um, but, you would, I mean, Theo would know from all the stories that the best place to get money to start up his, uh, his shop would be to go work for the O'Brien's. Because the orcs do not give you money to start your own business. They just give you the leave to start it with the seal of approval of the tribe. And the O'Brien's are only a, about a four day hike from where your tribe is currently camped one of their local cities the one that they actually have uh, recently taken from the La Rossi alright and at this point he's no longer that super spindly 16 year old he's he spent most of the last two years on top of his his trades training actually going into the um, the their little like fighting arena or training grounds that they have that they take set up every time they go we spent time wrestling with all the other works and fighting and learning and i think i think it's time to go earn some money uh, ovak would have actually after you you know quote unquote graduated from your your mentorship there's a celebration and a party in the village, and then he would have, after that celebration and party, he was off to the uh, La Rossi to trade. So he would have left early in the morning to head to the La Rossi. All right, got my gear. Looks at the shield he just hung up. All right. Put all his gear back on. 
Alright, let's go. Let's do this. No looking back now. Let's do it. <laughs> Alright, so, so you set off. He's learned since most of the mercenaries do come back, he's learned to not say goodbyes to the uh, to the to people when they when they're leaving or uh, with, since it's his turn to leave, he won't say goodbye to them. He just says, "I'll be back." <laughs> yep, and that's that's definitely the kind of uh, emotion that they always give. You know, they do believe that they will return. And uh, the nice part is, too, that the tribe, whenever they will relocate as they follow game, they will pack up the members' belongings who are not currently with them, and they will move them with the tribe in the spirit that they will come back until they hear otherwise. So I'm going to say he hung that in Ovak's tent. <laughs> the shield that Ovak always calls... Uh, Theo's blunder. He'll figure out how to make it lighter. <laughs> Alright, so you start hiking on the trail's a good word for it. It's fairly well worked into the, the trail out of the out of the camp and then out towards the mine. There's a question I have to know. Are these moors or are these mountains? Mountains. Mountains, okay. I guess What's the difference between a moor and a mountain? So moors are kind of like the Scottish Highlands. Okay, Those okay, are moors. okay. That yeah, probably probably not quite to that level, but not pro- think more like the uh, the Appalachian Mountains, where it's kind of that they're they're mountains, but they're also not like the rocky. Super tall yet? Okay. These are lower mountains. And there is a there is a fairly well worn trail from the camp down to the mine, and then the mine has a road that goes to the town of Iron Lake, or the city of Iron Lake, I guess would be the correct term. I think uh, I don't know if he makes it to the mine before shit starts happening, but I think if he does, out of habit, he's as he's walking through it, he's looking for loose gems or stones that look interesting. Yeah, I would say you're able to get to the mine within a day, and then you get a little bit past the mine before nightfall. So you'd be camping a little bit away from the mine, far enough where the light and the noise of the mine doesn't ups- doesn't disturb the peaceful nights where he's able to camp out. The st- only the stars above him, the sounds of nature around. It's the first time I've done this alone in years. Nice. I like it. Nice and peaceful. Yeah, sets up his sets up his sleeping area, maybe starts cooking some food. But he just does it. it's it's literally just a bed roll and a campfire. He's so used to sleeping outside that shit doesn't bother him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> got, um, got a little makeshift spit that he made out of some sticks he found. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's work. <laughs> so, as he's camping out there and in, enjoying nature in the night and the the sounds of you know nightfall in this remote area, uh, you would see on the road there is a man approaching. They're wearing they're wearing a cloak, so you can't really see their features. 
They Make are. Sure to keep his axe close. What's that? He makes sure to keep his axe close. Okay. Um, so he's kind of spindly and tall. Um, probably as he gets a little bit closer, you kind of see a little bit, you see more as he sort of approaches and you notice that he's, uh, probably if you had to describe a build, he would be, um, elvish in nature, you know, taller, um, you know, much more of a slight frame and the big, the big eyes that are typical of elves. And he's going to approach the camp and he's, do you, do you mind a companion for the evening here? I have some word on the road ahead and I have some jerky if you wish to share some food. Uh, sure. Still very leery of this guy. Uh, I've got some, some, um, I think they're called, do you, you call them squirrels over here? Ah, yes. Common got fare squirrels for, roasting. Common fare <laughs> for the road. I prefer rabbit myself, but squirrel, squirrel's also a good option. Ah, uh, yes, but squirrels can be knocked out of trees. That's you don't. True. You don't have to have a weapon to catch a squirrel. That is true. So he'll sit down and he'll uh, he'll grab his thing of jerky and kind of hand it over to where you can grab some. He'll hand him one of the squirrels on a stick. <laughs> Trade of food. <laughs> um, give me... Give me a... Uh, I want to say survival for that, but let me check something real fast. Because I don't believe it's survival. Nope, it'd be uh, perception. 25. So... You'll notice when this when this elf approaches the camp, as he gets closer, um, you'll notice there's a you feel this sort of feeling of like this the hair on your arm sort of stands up a little bit, <clears throat> and you kind of feel your teeth sort of have a sort of like a vibration to them a little bit. Uh, bad juju. <laughs> you have you have um, on your travels with Ovak, you've come across plants that give the same sort of uh, feelings. Um, and Ovak he looks around for the plants. Ovak explained that the plants are a uh, you can grind them up into a poultice to amplify magic. Uh, you do not see any plants around that would be those kind of plants. Hmm. What kind of jerky is this? Is he chewing on it? Oh, it'd be It'd be some uh, deer jerky from the area around Iron Lake. One of my one of my clients bought, basically gave this to me as payment uh, shortly before the O'Brien's invaded Iron Lake. Kind he's of, like very leery. He's like, I don't trust this guy. He <laughs> Something's kind of, up here. He kind of looks at you. He's, he'll kind of he'll smile a little bit. And he says, "Well, I mean, between that jerky and then the clothes on my back, this is all that I all that I own after the O'Brien's attacked." 
Yeah. It, it, sometimes it's the way of the world. I've lost, I've lost two homes and uh, several family members over the years. It, shit happens. Like my mama always says, shit happens. Well, I had, I had hoped to make my way through the stone teeth here. Maybe make some trades with the orcs and make my way out to the the coast. Um, I know the Larosi have some nice cities and settlements out there. I was trying to probably end up in either Sandreach or I guess if push comes to shove, I could always go live out on coast side, kick my feet up on the coast and enjoy the beach. You should be able to make it through the stone teeth pretty unharmed. Well, that's I good. I think my tribe is the closest to the mines right now, so... Which tribe would that be? The goats. Well, they always have good. They always had a lot of really nice goods to trade. I always liked. Uh, what was his name? What was his name? Older orc. Um, used to sell. Used to sell rubies and stuff in Iron Lake. Oh, I can't remember his name now. He's still very leery. Uh, Ovak. Ah uh, yes, Ovak used to make used to make uh, good components for potions with those rubies and other stones. Kind of a shame I had to crush and grind them, and the, after he put so much heart and soul into manufacturing them into such a beautiful shape. Yeah, they kind of have to be cut, otherwise they don't have their potency. Uncut gems are very dangerous. That's true. He was, always, he was always a good person to trade with. I do hope that either one of the places I end up in, he still goes to sell and I still can buy his wares. You should. He's old, but he's he's still there. Theo's not the most trusting person, but he also doesn't hide information from people if he has to. <laughs> like, I mean, this guy doesn't seem bad, but also looks can be deceiving. That's, that's fair. That's fair. So how much of this uh, jerky has uh, Theo ate? He's probably eaten about half of the piece that the guy gave him. He's very, like, slowly picking at it. <laughs> Please give me he's a not the biggest. He's not the biggest fan of deer. <laughs> Please give me a fortitude save. Fortitude. I'm good at those. Uh, well, I, the dice say I'm not good at those. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Theo, as you're talking to this elf, and he's you know sharing stories about Iron Lake, and he's you know seeming to be very friendly. He's not you know no 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 threats have been shown, no aggressive moves have been made. You start to feel sleepy. And you would notice that the elf hasn't eaten any of the jerky that he had. He's just, he's just gonna say, "God damn it! <laughs> I knew it. Bad juju every time." As he passes out. <laughs> <laughs> And right before he passes out, 
and the elf notices that he's starting to get woozy, you'll see the elf will pull from a pouch on his hip a mask, and he puts it on his face. And the mask covers and obscures his face entirely except for his eyes and a little bit of where his mouth would be. And you would notice that on this mask that runs vertical from his forehead down to his chin, there is a pattern of like a woven material on this mask. And right before he passes out, the elf would say, well, the weaver would be pleased. I didn't even have to use, I didn't have to use the components. And he'll whistle. And you'll hear footsteps emerge from the forest around as the world goes dark around Theo. Uh, Something that uh, Theo has learned in all of the bad luck he's had over the years. When you get the feeling of bad juju, shit's going to happen whether you fight it or not. (laughs) So it's best not to fight it and waste your energy. (laughs) I guess that's one way to look at life. It's like, it's going to happen regardless of whether I fight back or not. And (laughs) we will leave Theo as he begins to come to. He's uh, being carried through a dark stone building. There's There's torchlight kind of flickering on the walls as he's led through a doorway. And then he'll hear some voices speak. Um... And then the door will open and he is thrown into a room before the door closes behind him. In this room, on the western wall, there's a mural that looks like a stormy night, lightning lightning's flashing between the clouds and the grounds. As he looks at this mural, the lightning seems to move almost of its own accord. Like, lightning strikes are actively happening inside the mural. To the north is an image of a snake eating its own tail. On the east, an elf is standing on a cliff with its arms raised. They're wearing... It looks like they're wearing a mask very similar to what the elf you had saw... Um, at your camp was wearing a very similar in sort of like the structure of mask with the sort of woven design on it and below the edge of the cliff it looks like there's a village and as he looks at it the different buildings sort of collapse as he's watching as he looks at this mural and then to the south the door he entered from there's a mural of a quill against a roll of parchment and as he looks at this wall the parchment seems to unravel and unroll itself and the quill seems to write something before it folds back up again and then otherwise in this room it is uh, dark there's a very faint light it's cold stone on the floor cold stone on the walls possibly sandstone from his stone cutting experience Great. The one stone that doesn't have fault lines. <laughs> you hit it, it crumbles. And that <clears throat> is where we are going to leave Theo in his possible uh, demise. Uh, 
I think Theo. I'm assuming he doesn't have his armor on, or does he still have his armor on? No, Theo is been stripped down to just his clothes that he would have wore under his armor. All his gear is gone. His backpack is gone. Just like this, this <laughs> contrary to what his armor looks like, it's like this brightly colored uh, tunic and pants. <laughs> <laughs> he got his hair pulled up in a pony. He pulls his hair back into a ponytail as this, as it ends. <laughs> all right all right well that was a brief little introduction well not so brief introduction <laughs> to uh theo theo skyfallen as the orcs would call him in the common tongue uh we will have more character introductions as things progress and then we will go into the full show do you wish to leave anybody off with a message to close off this uh, episode? I mean, it's going to be fun to play a character this time. Characters are always fun. I will give you that. <laughs> I get to torture y'all, you like you did me. Good luck. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> I hit back. <laughs> All right. All right, and as we always had said before, we love you. We love you, and Bye. goodbye.